Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well, always, always. And if you didn't join us yesterday, you see a a new, uh, almost blank background here. I'm not in Monica's house. I'm home in my mobile home. And um, we're in two mobile homes here in Winona, Texas, and sitting on a lot of mud (laughs) until we fix things up. And it's our hope to build a small monastery. Um, And things are going really well. And I bless you. And uh, some people are still writing to ask for our Christmas newsletter, which... um, uh, at least came out during the Christmas time, uh, which in our traditional uh, calendar ended February 2nd on the Feast of the Presentation. Um, if you haven't gotten it, you are welcome to email. Just go to motherofisraelshope.org and click on newsletters, and you can sign up for that in the future. <clears throat> I don't know when we've sent out more than three in a year. We don't send a lot of mail out, but once in a while, uh, maybe once or twice, tops four times a year, we might send a specific email out, and only those on our email list will get it. But you are welcome to get it by hard copy, regular mail uh, as well. So you can choose that, or you can click on contact and um, email us at the mail at motherofisraelshope.org. Uh, email address and request a copy of the Christmas newsletter. We don't charge for anything. We always appreciate uh, any support you're um, uh, able to give, even to cover postage, but it's not an issue for us. So um, uh, just let us know if you'd like that. Many people have commented that it's a a keepsake catechism. Uh, We have everything in there that Catholics should believe and that Catholics should do. Uh, some things that are non-negotiable, so it's it's quite important. Um, we are reading uh, from the Catechism Explained by Reverend uh, Sparago, his comments, and um, uh, it is uh, the Catechism of Trent uh, that is explained, the last full doctrinal catechism that the Church produced. Uh, again, the, the Catechism of Vatican II um, is fine, uh, it's, it was pastoral, uh, but the Doctrinal Council of Trent uh, is uh, a sure way to know our faith, and because it's the faith, nothing can change. Nothing can change from the faith once delivered to the saints um, before the death of, by the death of the last apostle. And so point four under the Christian faith says, that's where we left off yesterday, and I'll just read the full paragraph. The Christian faith comprises all the doctrines of the Catholic faith. And that is to say, all the doctrines that our Lord gave, nothing man-made. He who willfully disbelieves a single doctrine of the Catholic Church has no true faith. One single doctrine. For he who receives some of the words of Christ and rejects others does not really believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he guides the Catholic Church. So, dear ones, this is difficult to say, but with um, our our, um, 
so-called magisterium and the bishops, including the the primary bishop under Peter, uh, seeking to change doctrine, they have no true faith. There's no other way to say it. Doctrine cannot be changed. It, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me and every single thing he gave the church to believe. The faith, once given to the saints, says St. Jude, uh, must be believed and cannot change. Its application can change. But, for example, with um, the, the matter of homosexuality, um, that can change. No homosexual, says our Lord through St. Paul, um, and uh, uh, and others uh, will not see the kingdom of heaven. And so if you welcome homosexuality into your fellowship, you're telling them they're okay. They're on the road to hell. They're not okay. A tendency that one has uh, is not sin. It's living it out that is sin. And so um, a lifestyle of homosexuality uh, is a lifestyle that has to be brought to the truth. And if we fail to do that, we have no love for homosexuals or anyone else outside the gospel. Again, a faith which does not comprise all the doctrines of the Catholic Church is no faith at all. It is like a house without a foundation. A man who believes all other Catholic doctrines but rejects, for example, the infallibility of the Pope has no true faith. And again, I explained yesterday, the infallibility of the Pope is not a gift given to him that says whatever he says is true. No, no, no. He's a sinful man like we are all sinful men. No. It, it is only, and I've said it's really a negative gift, it is only in the matter when, the, um, when a doctrine is given ex cathedra or ex cathedra from out of the chair of Peter and as made binding on the faithful to believe, such as the resurrection, such as the assumption of Mary. It's made binding on the faithful to believe. The gift of infallibility says that our Lord prevents the Holy Father, um, from demanding something of us that's not of God. So the church is protected from his... Um, it's not that what he says is infallible, is that what he commands us to believe is infallibly proclaimed because the Holy Spirit protects him from um, putting on us a doctrine that's not true. And that's what the infallibility of the Pope is. What insolence, uh, Reverend Sparago goes on to say, what insolence is it on the part of men to treat God like a dishonest dealer, some of whose goods they accept and others reject? What other folly to think that we know better than God? Now the people, the bishops today, who are rejecting the faith, who are talking about um, a number of things that just are not true, that contradict the faith that God has given, the morals, the faith and morals that God has given, they would say, we're not changing the faith, we're just advancing it or bringing it to uh, today's culture and world. No, they're not. Application must not negate doctrine. Otherwise, it's not an negation, it's a negation. It, it cannot change the essence of the truth. 
Reverend Sparago says, what utter folly to think that we know better than God. As a bell in which there is one little crack is worthless. As one false note destroys a harmony, as a grain of sand in the eye prevents one from seeing, so the rejection of a single dogma makes faith impossible. And I can hear a number of people saying, come on, I believe everything. There's just one thing I don't. There's just one thing out of hundreds I don't believe. Well, um, that's enough because you're, you're, you're making yourself your own pope, so to speak, your own authority. If you don't believe one thing, then your belief is faith, is based on your intellect, on your agreement, on what you see. But we see through a glass dimly. We don't, we're not Catholic because we judge the doctrines of the Catholic faith. It's they that judge us. And if we don't believe one little thing, no matter how small or great we think it is, the fact is we don't believe the Catholic Church is our mother, is our authority, is what God has given to lead us to heaven. We put ourselves above it. Hence, no heretic if he is so through his own fault, and only God knows that, can make an act of faith even in the existence of God or the divinity of Jesus Christ. Although it is necessary to faith that all the teaching of the Catholic Church should be believed, yet it is not necessary to be acquainted with every one of her doctrines. Doctrines That's very important. You could say, well, I can't tell you if I believe everything the Catholic Church teaches because I don't know every single thing. It doesn't matter. I'm a convert to the church, and I can tell you, it is the church that Christ founded. Therefore, no, I don't know everything. It's not, doesn't matter. I believe it. If I were to hear it tomorrow, and I learned it's what the Catholic Church believes, then I believe it, because it's from the church. It's from our mother, the church. I may not understand it right away. I might say, no kidding, the church teaches that? And I might check to make sure it's part of the foundation of faith. But yes, I would believe it because it's from the church. But a Catholic must at the very least know that there is a God and that God directs the life of men, rewards the good and punishes the wicked. He must also know that there are three persons in God and that the second person of the Blessed Trinity has become man and has redeemed us on the cross. St. Paul tells us that he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. Hebrews chapter 11. This was the minimum required for the coming of Christ and is now required of those who have never come within reach of the gospel. In a country where the gospel is preached, the case is quite different, and no one could be admitted to the sacraments of baptism or penance until he has been instructed in the above-mentioned truths. There's the music, dear one. Um, for our first break. And after the second break, we will take your calls and your emails, and you are welcome to call in with anything that's on your heart. We'll have an entire half hour to ourselves, and the toll-free number, you're welcome to call in at any time, uh, the toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. 
beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. It raises the question, I think, for a convert like me or for a cradle Catholic is, why are we seeing the human leadership of the Catholic Church steer the Church in a direction that doesn't seem consistent with Catholicism of the last 1900 years? That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. At the Station of the Cross, we are blessed by the variety of donations our listeners generously contribute for our evangelization efforts. From planned gifts to employer matches, we even receive donations through transfers of stock. Please consider giving a gift of stock to help us continue sharing the love of God with our hurting world. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's one 877 Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are reading a most... um, treasure, a treasure of a book. It is the Catechism of Trent, but titled under the Catechism, in parentheses of Trent, explained. It's a thick book published by Mediatrics Press. You can get it on Amazon and bookstores and and other avenues. And it's a treasure, beloved. It's the last doctrinal catechism, uh, full catechism produced. Um, and uh, there are individual catechisms that have been very good. And the Council of uh, Vatican II uh, produced a catechism that is a pastoral one because the Council was pastoral, no new doctrine. But Council of Trent will teach you the faith, and it's magnificent. And you need to teach it to your children. And if you get the catechism explained, um, it is Trent. It doesn't say the Council of Trent on the cover, although it might. But the title is The Catechism Explained referring to Trent, and it explains everything. So you don't need to be a scholar. You don't need to understand every little point. It explains it to you. And um, it speaks about the minimum that we must know in order to uh, to truly uh, know God and to be saved, to be a Christian. It's, I continue here. He who has an opportunity of being instructed must also learn and understand the Apostles' Creed, the commandments of God and of the church. And also, 
he must have some knowledge of the doctrines of grace and of the sacraments and of prayer as set forth in some catechism that is authorized by the bishops of the country where he lives. Point five, this is new to us today. Faith is a gift of God since the power to believe can only be attained through the grace of God. When I was coming from my Jewish background into Christianity through evangelical Protestantism, where I didn't understand all that, I didn't know what the Catholic Church was then, um, it was the verse of Apostle Paul to the Corinthians uh, was said to me that the things of God are foolishness to the natural man because they're spiritually understood. And apart from the grace of God, we are spiritually dead. And so they explained if you put a pin in a corpse, a dead person, there's no response. Death has not the ability to respond to life. And so stick a spiritual pin in you, they said to me, and there's no response because you're spiritually dead. But once the grace of God comes into one's life and we're alive spiritually, now the things of God not only make sense to us, but are a true delight to the heart. St. Paul tells us, By grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And our Lord says in John chapter 6, No man come to me, no man can come to me, unless it be given to him by my Father. God gives us the gift of faith in baptism. Hence, baptism is called the sacrament of faith. Until the newly baptized child comes to the use of reason, he cannot use his power of believing or make an act of faith. He's like a child who is asleep, who has the faculty of sight, but cannot use it until he opens his eyes. That's an illustration I remember when I first gave my life to Christ. I was a Martian on planet Earth. The scriptures say whoever's in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away and all things become new. The world was new to me. Everything was new, and I remember going into, I must have been a a Christian. My eyes had been open maybe for three weeks, and I remember going into a restaurant um, uh, for breakfast, or I forget the whole occasion why I was there, and the restaurant was filled with people, and I sat there seeing a tree for the first time, seeing the world for the first time. It was all different. And I I sat there in the restaurant in utter pain because I saw all these people as if they were blind. And I wanted to go up to them and I picturing their eyes totally shut. And I wanted to go up to them and say, listen, 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 listen. I know you can hear. I know you can't see right now. You think you can, but you can't. You see these, these faculties over here above your nose on each side? They're eyes and they can see. And they'll look at me and say, what are you talking about? We've always had these. I know you've always had them, but you haven't used them. Uh, Open them, and you could see. And all they'd have to do is open them, and they would see for the first time. Physically, that's the way I felt spiritually. The person who makes an act of faith for the first time, he's like a child, Reverend Sparago writes, who is asleep, who has the faculty of sight, but he cannot use it until he opens his eyes. Then he can see the objects around him under the influence of the light. So the child who attains to reason is able to believe the truths of religion under the influence of the grace of God. God bestows the knowledge of the truth and the gift of faith chiefly on those who, number one, and this is what we began to cover yesterday, 
who firstly strive after it with earnestness and perseverance, who secondly live a God-fearing life, and thirdly, who pray that they may find the truth. An earnest desire after the truth is a sure means of obtaining to it, for our Lord has said that those who hunger and thirst after justice shall have their fill. It frightened me, dear ones, as an evangelical Protestant after 18 years to be looking into the Catholic Church. Absolutely frightened me. I People said, well, don't be afraid to seek God. And I, I said to them, I don't need to seek God. I have him. I don't want to not seek him. I don't want to seek something else. I have him. But when I opened my heart to ask God without fear uh, to really show me if he intends more or other for us on earth. It took almost five years, but I came into the true church he founded. Um, Again, God says, through the mouth of the prophet, Jeremiah, you shall find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And again, you could say as an evangelical, as a Jew, I found him, I have him. I didn't find him, he found me. I have him, I don't need to seek. That's all right. But the fact is, we know that we're in heaven. We'll, we'll know as we are known. We know that we don't know a fraction of God here on earth. So how can we assume that there's not more we need to understand this side of heaven? The Roman philosopher Justinus was an instant instance of the fulfillment of this promise, for God rewarded his earnest desire for truth by causing him to fall in with an old man on the banks of the Tiber, who instructed him in the truths of the Christian faith. A life in accordance with the law of God will also obtain the grace of faith. In the Gospel of John, our Lord said, If anyone shall do the will of God, he shall know of the doctrine. To such a, to such a one God will give an interior light, or will send someone to instruct him, as he did to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. So Cardinal Newman prayed for long years for the kindly light, which at last brought him to the door of the Catholic Church. And the same was the case with countless other converts from Protestantism. Sometimes God in his mercy gives the gift of faith even to the enemies of the church, as he did to St. Paul. But it is for the most part to those who are in good faith in their errors. When God bestows upon a man the gift of faith, he either employs one of the ordinary means of grace, such as preaching, or in some cases, an extraordinary means, such as a miracle. The ordinary means are preaching, reading, and personal instruction. St. Augustine was converted by the preaching of St. Ambrose in the Cathedral of Milan, St. Ignatius of Loyola by reading the lives of the saints, the Ethiopian eunuch by his conversation with St. Philip. Extraordinary means are those of which we find many at the beginning of the Christian era, such as the star that the Magi followed, the light that shone upon St. Paul on his journey to Damascus, and the voice that he had heard from heaven, the great cross that the Emperor Constantine saw in the sky with the words, In hoc signo vinces, the vision of Our Lady that Radisbon saw in the church of St. Andrea in Rome in the year 1842. So the heathen boy Theophilus was converted by the roses that fell at his feet in the month of January after the martyrdom of his playmate, uh, Dorothea, and that was in A.D. 308. Many...
failed to attain to the Christian faith through pride, self-will, and an unwillingness to give up the indulgence of their passions. It is the lack of goodwill that debars many from the faith. Our Lord is the true light that enlighteneth every man that comes into the world. It is the will of God that all men should come to the truth. Men too often shut their eyes to the light because they are unwilling to change their evil life. They love uh, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. From the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Pride is also a fatal hindrance to faith. God loves to make use of simple means to bring men to the knowledge of the truth, and this the proud resent, just as Naaman resented Elias's advice to go and wash in the Jordan. So Christ was rejected and despised by the Jews, and especially by the scribes and Pharisees, because he was born of poor parents and lived in a town that was held in contempt. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth, they would say. So the upper class at Rome were unwilling to receive the truth from a nation that was despised by them, and from men who were in general very deficient in cultural position. So too, in the present day, God allows his church to be oppressed and persecuted and looked down upon. Hence, there is no miracle at which the proud do not scoff. God hides the secrets of his providence from the proud. And more than this, he positively resists them. We're almost at our second break, beloved. I want to include a warning from this sheep to our desperately needed shepherds who have gone astray through their pride, through a lust for position, through a lust for power. Shepherds are to lay down their life for the sheep, not destroy them, not shut down their ability to worship the God that the shepherd was appointed to lead them to. By closing churches, you are not only abandoning your mission, you are rejecting the Savior. By shutting down the mass of the ages, the Latin mass, you are destroying the sheep. You cannot destroy the church that Christ gave because the gates of hell will not uh, prevail against it ever. But you are discouraging and abandoning. I, w- I almost wish you would abandon the sheep. I almost wish you would abandon the sheep. It would do better than destroying them. If you abandon your vocation totally and go, uh, took a vacation on a beach and stopped doing everything, it would be better than what you're doing by shutting down masses and destroying the sheep and um, um, promoting uh, errant doctrines and leading them astray. You have become enemies of the sheep and you will stand before God. Again, better that you give up your priesthood, better than you go live on the beach and leave the sheep alone, than destroy them and leave and lead them astray. There's the music for our second break, beloved. We'll be back right after the break, and it'll be our half hour together uh, for you to call in. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email 
at mother at thestationofthecross.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 17th. Today we celebrate the seven founders of the Servite Order. What is the likelihood of seven prominent men who live in a cultured, prosperous city agreeing to leave their homes and professions and taking up a communal life of self-denial? That's precisely what seven noblemen of Florence, Italy did in the year 1240. They withdrew from the city, relocated, and moved to a secluded setting for solitude, prayer, and penance. At least, that was their goal. But the men soon found themselves disturbed by constant visitors from nearby Florence, and so they withdrew to the deserted slopes of Monte Scenario. Visitors found their way to the new location as well, many of whom stayed to join the group. They adopted a religious habit similar to that worn by Dominicans, chose to live under Augustinian rule, and called themselves the Servites, or the Order of Friars' Servants of Mary. Community members combined monastic life and active ministry. In the monastery, they led a life of prayer, work, and silence, while also engaging in parish work, teaching, and preaching. Servites came to the U.S. from Austria in 1852, settling in New York and later in Philadelphia. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. I'm Mother Miriam, and I am live, and I'm thrilled to be with you. Um, and this is our half hour. Anything on your heart, you may call in with your name or anonymous. Whatever it is on your heart, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. So once again, toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email at mother at We have an email from Josephina. It looks like it's a bit long, so I'll probably comment through it. Dear Mother Miriam, please may I ask for your blessing. I am emailing you regarding God's discernment in my life. <clears throat> Since you do not know me, nor me you, I'm placing trust on what you will have to say as you read on, since you may be familiar with some occurrences and thoughts. The biggest facet in life that I'm struggling with now is what I should be doing in life, in the short as well as in the long run. This is a good thing, Josephina. If we just coast along in life, it's not good. And we're wasting uh, the precious gift of time and other things that God has given us. Hold on a moment. And so if, you, if you're wondering what God has for you now or in the future, you're on the right track. It's a good thing. 
uh, God wants you to ask those questions. He wants you to seek him. She says, in the wise, to the wise individual that you seem to be, what is your experience in knowing God's will for your life, and how can you be sure you're doing God's will? How did you know religious life was meant for you? How did you know God was no longer calling you to stay at a business-based paid job? Well, I'll stop right there and tell you. Um, I, I was running two companies in New York, and the minute I gave my life to Christ, again, I was an evangelical Protestant. I didn't know I was one. I just became a Christian, a follower of the Christ. But immediately, I wanted nothing but heaven and to know why God left me on earth. So I was running a company. I was being paid a... In fact, I was hired to open up a San Francisco office for them. Um, and up until the time I came to Christ, I was with them a year and to learn the company and everything, and it was time for me to go open that office, and then I gave my life to Christ, and my world changed. And I said to my boss at the time, I, I know you've invested in me, I said, but I cannot go on to open that office in San Francisco. All I ever knew was 14 hours a day, seven days a week work. I had no reason to live. I didn't know why mankind was on the earth. All of a sudden, I had a reason for every second I breathed, and I said to him, I can't. I, I I can't go on to open that office. Um, um, and he said to me, I don't understand you. Why are you such a fanatic? I've met other people like you. Why can't you have a balance? Why can't you have eight hours of God and um, eight hours of sleep and eight hours of work? Why can't you? I said, I can't. I said, because, and we talked about this earlier, I said, if you can picture a man born blind with picture with your eyelids shut and your whole life you couldn't see, and one day you opened your eyes and you could see for the first time. I said to him, you can't even appreciate a tree yet because you're too overwhelmed with the fact that you even see that tree eight hours a day. I, I can't limit God to eight hours a day. And he said, well, then you can't stay here even one more day. I said, I understand that. So I was out on the street that day with no salary and no work. And I walked along the beach and I said, Lord, what do you want? Why did you leave me on earth? What am I here for? And the only thing I knew, Josephina, is that he left me on earth to know him, to love him, and to make him known, to tell others about him. And so that's why I knew I could not stay in a business-based job. Now, there are many good, strong Christians, Catholic Christians, who run companies and stay in business-based jobs and are God's magnificent witnesses in the, in the business world. That's 100% fine. They may have a lot more faith than me, but it's what God does in each individual heart. I have no taste for business. I have no taste for doing anything that doesn't have to do with the kingdom. Josephine continues, I often ask Christ why I'm on this earth, since the world has nothing to offer me. There you go, I ask the same. And I have nothing to offer the world. Oh, yes, you do. You have salvation. You have Christ to offer the world. In my job, she says, or any paid job, I do not see why anything is important or necessary beside the salary. That's not even necessary, Josephine. The only thing that's necessary is that wherever you are, you live your faith without compromise, and you speak the truth in love. She says, I truly have never understood this. What does it matter if a company makes a million or more in revenue? So what? I'm confident enough that God's will for his chosen people is not to be involved in the nine-to-five rat, 
rat race, nine to five rat race, where there is so much unrest. These jobs are for slaves of this world. Not necessarily. We are slaves of Christ. And we can be great witnesses. Being, we are to be in the world, not separated from it. We're to be in the world and not of it. And if we are in the world and live as Christians, slaves of Christ instead of slaves to the world, in the midst of the world, we are his army. We are his witnesses. Josephine says, I take it that one finds their calling in life based on what one enjoys and spends a a fair amount of time on. Not necessarily. What was slash is this like for you? In my case, it is praying, meditating, spending time with Christ, his mother, and St. Joseph. But does it make sense to pray and pray or at ora instead of ora at labora? It's, it depends. There are contemplative orders that women enter. There's plenty of work to be done to keep the order going, to grow food, all of that. But it's, it's simply a contemplative life of prayer. I live to put my arms around the world physically in, in, in respects. Uh, those who enter contemplative uh, life uh, put their arms in, in the words of... Um, the superior of the poor Clares, um, Mother Angelina of the poor Clares of Roswell, New Mexico, she lives to put her arms around the world from behind those walls, and she does exactly that. It depends upon what God calls you to. A few years ago, Josephina says, <clears throat> I had thought it was as clear as day that God willed for me to meet. God willed for me to be a Dominican sister. But shortly after the summer season of 2022, I no longer heard this call from God. I think he was showing me the state of the church in the world, including the fact that I do not feel comfortable with the vast majority of nuns. How then could I possibly live with them? Pope Francis has destroyed many traditional nuns' lives and only recently insists on removing traditional nuns at a monastery in Ravello, Italy. Why then would any young Catholic woman want to become a nun or a sister with modernism infiltrating the church? I'll stop right there for a moment, Josephine. Uh, Neither the Holy Father or modernism infiltrating the church stops me. It doesn't stop me. I uh, feel like the the richest, most privileged person in the whole world to be able to wear this habit, to be a witness in the world, and to live the religious life. Nothing is going to stop me. Well, I don't know. I can't tell the future. But um, as long as we have faith, the church, uh, those who are compromised, those who come against the faith, even from within the church, um, they don't touch our lives. They do, but we need to be soldiers of Christ. We need to press on. We need to live the life to which God has called us. She says, I once spoke to a young man who underwent seminary. Eventually, he did not become a priest. As he was told, he could not fast on Wednesdays and Fridays as he wanted to. To become a priest or nun who sticks to the tradition of the church and simply just adores Christ is a beautiful thing. It certainly is. That's what we do here at Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. We, we don't simply just adore Christ. We go out to the world to embrace people, to teach the faith. And uh, Josephine says there's no better labora 
that means work. But I think in these times of today, a faithful Catholic is better off as a layman, laywoman, absolutely not, unless they get told off for being politically incorrect to hurry up and get with the modern times. No, 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 no. We're not victims of the world. We're not victims of the church. We are daughters of God. We are sons and daughters of God. We're not subject to um, being a layman or woman because of what's happening in religious life. Absolutely not. There is no time like today to become a priest, to become a nun, to become a sister, to become a lay missionary. I feel like the most privileged person in the world, Josephina. There is no better time. We are at war. And we need good soldiers of Christ who are not afraid and who will not compromise and will not cower and will not hide. So what if we get told off for being politically incorrect? So what? We're called to be politically incorrect. We're told to get with the modern times by being contrary to it. We are in the world and not of it. It is true, Josephine says, that more danger and harm come from the hierarchy within the church than those outside the church. That is daunting. That currently, um, there's a lot of truth to that. But it doesn't stop us. What then? Could such an individual, what then could such an individual do in such a situation? I'll say it again. Become a religious. If you're called to that, if that's what your heart looks up to, find an order that you can enter and simply pray if that's what you wish to do, a cloister or contemplative active as we are, that you pray. Everything is the basis of foundation. We begin at five every morning um, and, and have mass, have an hour and a half holy hour every, and a half every single day and, and pray the divine office and we follow the rule of St. Benedict, all of that. <clears throat> Josephine says, for me, I now know that religious life isn't for me, since the church won't allow me to live as in 1950. The church stops you from nothing. It hasn't tied your hands and feet. You can live what you wish. You can live what you wish. If the church goes underground, are, are Catholics to stop their faith? No. We worship underground. We do whatever we can. We don't give up. We don't let the world or even those in the church who've gone astray direct us. She says, I do not wish to become modern and disgusting. No one's leading you that way, Josephine. Marriage is definitely not my calling. That's fine. Does this mean I should work despite that all my applications are turned down or not accepted? Well, I don't know why they're turned down or not accepted. Despite the fact that I'm not interested at all about day-to-day work. If you think it is, could this possibly be the cross that I should bear and pick up daily? No, I don't think God would give you that cross. You need to work. How else can you earn money? How else will you live if you don't work and earn a salary? You need to trust that the job you get, if you're not entering religious life, which I don't know that God has kept you from, you may have kept yourself from that. I don't know that God has. Um... But if you don't enter religious life, you must work and you must share the gospel. And you must trust that that work in the world God is using to form you into a saint because you have to be countercultural. She says, my current situation is that I cannot find work in my profession, even though I am good. I don't know what your profession is, but if you cannot find work in your profession, find other work. 
I know a gentleman who's been out of work for years, and I think he's in sin. He's a um, computer specialist, an IT man, and he cannot find a job. He's from another country, and he cannot find a job in his profession. And I said, go pack groceries. Go work for the post office. Don't use that as an excuse for your wife to go out and work, and you stay home with the children. Absolutely not. Josephine says, I think it's a character issue. Employers are often somehow intimidated by me. I would also rather not enter the religious life based on what I explained above. What then, dear mother, do you recommend? Pox Christie, Josephina. There's our break, Josephina. Josephina, I don't know your age. I don't know your profession. I don't know your gifts. I don't know why people don't hire you. I don't know what jobs you're looking for. My immediate suggestion, Josephina, is that you seek a good holy priest and get a spiritual director and let him assist you. Let him help you out, a good holy priest, and let him help you out of your dilemma. I think a lot of it has to do with your own maturity, understanding, or lack of it. Um, We'll be right back, beloved. listening to the station of the cross on your car radio but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area never miss another minute of your favorite show download the iCatholic radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day the iCatholic radio app is available for your phone in the apple store or for your android phone in google play visit the station of the cross.com for more information Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes uh, and 
time for you to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free 1-877-511-5483, or you may email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Just before the break, we um, responded to an email by Josephine who wants to know how to know God's will for one's life. Um, uh, many things in your uh, email, Josephine, are erroneous thinking, and that's why I suggest you do get a spiritual director. But there's two books I would uh, also refer you to. One is by St. Francis de Sales called Finding the Will of God. The other is Salvance, uh, Alphonsus Liguori on, I think, knowing the will of God for your life. And both of them have several points um, that I think would be helpful to you. Um, okay, now, but, I, you know, there's something that I live by. If you wish the will of God with all your life, with all your heart, if you truly long for the will of God above your own breath, it's not that you will have it one day, it's that you're in it now. Because Satan will not desire you, will not cause you to desire to want God's will above all things, neither will your flesh. And so... Um, if God's will is your food, if you want nothing but it, whether you know what it is or not, if someone says to you, um, what would you want God to give you? If, if, if you knew God's will, what would it be? Or if God gave you what you want, what would it be? If your answer is anything other than, I don't know. I just want his will. Whatever it is, that's what I want. And I don't know what it is, but that's what I want. Because I believe it's better than anything I could want. He made me. And he made me for himself. If you, if you mean that, if you live that, you will be in it. And you can trust that even though you don't know its final end, God is preparing you for it now. And you live a life of love because you live a life walking with God. We have an email from Lorraine <clears throat> who says, My granddaughter, who is 19, has been an atheist for the past three years. She was baptized, but her mom is not taking her, has not taken her to church or given her Catholic education. Mom doesn't want, does not want to talk about religion. If Jesus would write a love note to my granddaughter on Valentine's Day, what do you think he would tell her? She might consider that approach. I would like to give her that message on a card. Well, Lorraine... <clears throat> I'm answering this three days after Valentine's Day. So um, you might send her a belated Valentine's card, but you know what to tell her, that God so loved the world he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'd explain to her as her grandmother um, that you, whatever your uh, lack has been as her grandmother in, in, in helping her in the faith for 19 years, my goodness, I don't know if her is your daughter, but um, you have faith, and I don't know why your granddaughter has not been uh, somehow given more faith. I don't blame you for it. I don't know the situation. I don't know if she has a father, um, but if she's an atheist for the past three years, um, I would just deal with her in utter love. And I think uh, Valentine's God card from God who gave his life for her, is a great idea, actually. Um, it would be wonderful. Um, I'd also, there's a couple of books that are very good uh, for so-called atheists. 
um, atheists deny that they believe in God, but how do you deny that you believe in what doesn't exist? Where does the concept even come from if you don't believe it? So it's, it's uh, a bit contradictory, I think. However, Patrick Madrid has written a book uh, on atheism. I don't recall the title, but there's a couple of good books on atheism. If you go to catholic.com and go to their shop and type in the search bar atheist or atheism, you'll probably come up with a, gu- a couple of good books. And ask your granddaughter if you have a relationship with her, maybe that you can read it together. She's 19. She may not want to put the time into that, but it's something that you can give her. Or let's say when your birthday comes around, you read it first and then say to her, I, I would like to ask you uh, for a specific birthday gift. What is it, Grandma? Um, I know you probably are not interested in this on your own, but I ask you as a gift for me, if you would read this book and then just give it back to me, you don't have to keep it, but just let me know what you think of it. That's it. Um, Maybe that'll help. Um, You also might give her um, C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, M-E-R-E, Christianity. I don't know if it's been retitled, but Mere Christianity is really a wonderful book. C.S. Lewis was not Catholic. He was Anglican, but he's Catholic now. (laughs) So it's a wonderful book and has led many people into the Catholic Church. Uh, and certainly to God. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hello, Mother Miriam. I hope and pray you are well. All the Encore episodes have concerned me for your well-being. Thank you, Anonymous. Um, There's been some technical issues, but I've also had some personal um, issues, so we're doing great now, and uh, thank you so much, and I apologize for those encores. Um, He or she says, I have followed your unique faith journey since your EWTN show, Household of Faith. On Friday, you answered an email from a woman who could not accept her father's new wife. I remember that. She felt it would be disloyal to her deceased mother. And if I recall, the mother died 10 years back. She says, I have a similar situation in my family. In our case, the new marriage is to a divorced so-called Catholic woman without an annulment. That's a whole different situation. In the last case, um, her father... Um, whose wife died 10 years back, married a a good Catholic woman in the Catholic Church. So that was legitimate. In this case, um, the new marriage is to a divorced woman who claims to be Catholic with who doesn't have an annulment. And that's a case of living in adultery. And that's my comment, the last sentence. Obviously, the marriage was outside the church. This has divided the family. That's a whole different story. Some accept them. Some refuse to see him with his wife. The reason is because of what they term an irregular relationship, which means they are living in sin. Irregular relationship is modern speak for adultery. Um... Would these different circumstances change in any way your answer to your original list, listener's question that she was committing a sin against charity? Absolutely. You're committing sin against God. You're not sinning against charity in this case at all. You are, you are uh, coming against sin. You are uh, acting in charity to reject a marriage that is an adulterous relationship. And you're not, you cannot support that. Um, 
This person says, as you might imagine, the situation in my family is highly emotional and the source of bitter debate. What do you advise in our situation? God bless. Anonymous. I advise that you simply uh, download the teaching of the church that a Catholic may not marry, remarry, uh, as long as the initial marriage is still in place. There's no such thing as Catholic divorce. If a marriage is not annulled, annulled is not a Catholic divorce. It means that it, it, to go back in time to the original situation of the initial marriage, the church decides whether that marriage truly took place. So if your father's marriage to your mom, even though they are civilly divorced, if it really took place so many years back, then they are still married. And for your dad to so-called marry or live with another woman is simply his living in adultery. And to accept that is to, ex- is to help them into hell. To accept that your dad will never see you in heaven. You cannot do that. That is not love. No. There's the music for the end of our program, beloved. And our weekend is coming up. So, uh, God willing, we will speak with you on Monday. Live Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself without compromise. God bless you.